I love it that being relational and being able to connect with students and being able to just be who I naturally am and then to hear that that's filling a lot of students' lives with joy or that they feel supported by the way I am, I would say I have the greatest job in the entire world that God's called me to. Kingsley Powell is Chapel Hill's Student Ministries Director, and he's fairly confident in what he is doing and for whom he is doing it. He feels he is in a lifelong calling from the Lord, and I'm not arguing it. I've never met anyone who is so unrelentingly positive and joyful and pretty knowledgeable about Hallmark Christmas movies. I'm Dave Wilson, and this is Hill Stories. Chapel Hill is a large part of Gig Harbor, a large part of the religious community that is in Gig Harbor. A focus of Chapel Hill over the last 10 to 20 years has definitely been the student ministry. About a year, year and a half ago, we got a new director of the student ministry at Chapel Hill. I have been wanting to sit down with him. I'll take full responsibility for not having done that before this point in time. But I, I'm going to take the tack that I wanted you to get your feet wet and to uh, let you just figure a few things out before we sat down and talked about who you are and what you're doing. We're with Kingsley Powell, late of California. We'll have to talk about that a little bit. How are you doing today? I'm great, Dave. It's an honor to be here and to be on Hill Stories podcast. I've listened to multiple of the episodes actually before moving here and it was really inspiring to get to know some of the the underground undercurrent stories and some really great characters some that i ended up serving with now that's just good research on your part thank you you've been here a year and a half what is your overarching opinion of your position and Mm -hmm. chapel hill at this point in time how are you feeling I was, I was going to start with, um, it rains a lot, <laughs> if I could say that. Coming from sunny California my whole life, uh, it, it sure does. The weather is different up here. Pacific Northwest is no joke. Um, but I have really enjoyed this transition because it was uh, affirmed that it was a call from God to come to this area. My wife is pretty close Um, to Gig Harbor, family about an hour and a half away. So we have visited Gig Harbor before, and we we decided we wanted to move here and retire here one day. Wow. Just seemed like such a great community. That's advanced planning. It was. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're in our 30s now, but it was advanced planning. It was dreaming, advanced dreaming, if you will. But we thought this would be a great place to raise a family, and God did too. So he has called us to Chapel Hill Presbyterian Church. It's my first Presbyterian Church, and I've been in a few different denominations, and the very first denomination was an evangelical free church, so I definitely have that part of it. Okay, now, wait a minute. Does it mean it was free from evangelism, <laughs> or is it evangelism free for all? What? I think evangelical for all, I would okay. say. An evangelical, <laughs> everyone should evangelize and believe in the gospel and share it with others. So... You have been here about a year and a half. What is your official title? My official title currently is the Director of Student Ministries. And has it been a year and a half already? It has. When did you become a Christian? 
I became a Christian through youth group in fifth grade. I was invited to youth group in middle school when I entered into public school, and I was homeschooled before that. I grew up in a loving Christian family, but God wasn't really real for me yet until I entered public school. Explain that. So coming from a loving family with not many struggles, I was very blessed, knew who God was, went to VBS, went to children's church, but I didn't really acknowledge a personal relationship with Christ until I had a a need. I went through a challenging time and that was entering into public school. I was way behind uh, in every area uh, that you can imagine. I was behind in the culture. I was behind in how uh, fast everything was. I I, I was not used to wearing shoes for long periods of time. (laughs) I wasn't used to not being able to do my homework on a on outdoors or near a creek or at the beach. So it was a grave challenge for me to be away from my family and bullying made a a huge impact on my young life in a very negative way, obviously. And that has transitioned being a youth minister. I've been able to speak into that area of hurt for students who are nowadays going through bullying and whatnot. To answer your question, Dave, I became a Christian when I went to youth group. In fact, the first night of being invited to youth ministry, my youth pastor preached on the Beatitudes, and everything that he was saying absolutely made so much resounding sense to me, and I wanted to live that life. I wanted to be blessed. I wanted to love others the way Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And my youth pastor gave a salvation offering as an altar call, if you will. And there was no doubt, I responded right away. Gave my life to the Lord in fifth grade, and that's how I became a Christian. It takes a little while to get from fifth grade to where you are now. What did that early process of being a Christian look like for you through your high school years? Great. Looked like following and role modeling after my youth pastor. He was very central in my life. And I actually, I didn't have him for as long as I had wished. Um, He transitioned out of the church as student ministry is uh, quite known for a short term of job time. It's a revolving door, unfortunately. The statistics Mm -hmm. are not in favor of longevity for youth ministers. And so... I modeled after my youth pastor. I wanted to emulate him. I wanted to be able to speak in biblical verses, in Bible language. Uh, That was something that was so attractive to me. The, The way he became married and had children, he played a huge role in my young life and formative years into high school to live out my faith. I became a student leader at my youth group. I became a small group leader in middle school at my youth group, which was an incredible incubation period of of (laughs) being able to lead as a high schooler others that are a little bit younger than me. It was so transformative to be able to play a role in student ministry leadership. Okay, now I was told to ask you about 
early ministry and being with a few kids in the park. Talk about that a little bit. There, there's been a many seasons in student ministry that God's taken me through. Some have been beautiful stage with lights, with sound, with teams of devoted people, with, with an incredible, beautiful budget to be able to do things and to bless people and to activate youth in serving events and to go far places. And I've also been able to be a part of a much smaller scaled youth group. I became a volunteer. I went from a paid youth pastor to a volunteer at a startup church with three or four kids with no budget. In fact, the budget was anything I had left over that I felt like I could go to the dollar store, the youth pastor's favorite um, (laughs) closet. And I would do youth ministry at a park bench and simplify, you know, the, the grandioso things and really get to the core of connecting with just a few students, just getting to know who they were because they were the only ones that were in that group at the time. And in fact, I was a part of that for almost a year and uh, I know healthy things grow, but God was pretty content with it being just three or four students that entire time. And so I became content with those few students and we did life together. We did ministry together. Mustard seeds. Mustard seeds. It was great. And also through the pandemic, something I didn't see when churches in California, well, and all over the world were shutting down because we couldn't be close to each other and vaccines weren't available. This is a brand new age for everything. Everybody was zooming from home and baking bread and just learning how to do life apart and isolated. There became a need for a multiple kids in my community weren't able to go to youth group or weren't able to go to church. They weren't able to socialize. And just organically, Dave, uh, God opened a door. It was the door to my garage. (laughs) And we were living, my wife and I were living out in the country uh, on a rental property with tons of space. Uh, And we decided to just buy a little small fire pit. And we just organically started having kids over to our house, outdoors, safely, and we just put on a small youth group. Okay, your high school years were a few years ago, but you're talking about a couple, three years ago right now. Right. In the interim, there's some ups and downs, and you weren't in ministry the whole time. So talk about that veer away from the church, so to speak, not through your faith, but through your occupation. Just full-time youth ministry vocation, right. It can be challenging to make make a way in youth ministry as a youth minister. It it can be quite challenging with finances, with timing, and just availability of jobs, honestly. There's still a lot of youth pastors out there that are volunteer or, you know, part-time or less. They have to work Mm -hmm. multiple jobs. And I knew that I wanted to go to a Christian college and get a degree. And I I wanted to do it in youth ministry. So as I searched, I found Liberty University Online. And they had an evangelism degree. So I started doing that. 
but I needed funding to start paying my student loans and to pay for books. (laughs) So out of that desire, I entered into a trade, which was firefighting and being an EMT, an emergency medical technician on an ambulance. That is somewhat of a transition to undergo. It was, but I actually feel like, Dave, I never left student ministry because I was studying the whole time and also volunteering at summer camps, at local youth groups. I've always been involved in student ministry. So when someone asks me, oh, Kingsley, how long you've been involved? You're a young guy. I, I give them a big number because I've since fifth grade when I gave my life to Lord in youth group, student ministry works. It's always worked for me. It's a lifelong calling I've felt from the Lord. And for a while there, I wasn't able to make it as my full-time vocation. And so it, it was hard being away from full-time ministry to students. I knew that you had done the EMT, volunteer firefighter, actually volunteer forest firefighter. Weren't you in California? Yeah, Cal Fire is a, it was a paid um, firefighting position. I, in order to get that job, attended a full-time firefighter academy. But your, your point is well taken in that even though there's a lot of opportunities out there you still have to make a living somehow. Yeah. And you also were married by this time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was married, working multiple jobs. At one point, I, t- I tell students this, but at one point I had seven jobs. <laughs> I had four shades of fire department blue. What was the most unusual of the seven jobs? Most unusual was just something that I did for fun, which was surf instructing. I just loved <laughs> taking kids and, and adults and, and getting to be in the water with them and surf on the California coast. That was unusual, but fun. So how long did you do the EMT firefighter stint? How long did that go for? Off and on, 13 years. And that ended when? Working as a part-time reserve EMT, which is not on an active status a year and a half ago. Before I came up to Chapel Hill, I still had a part-time job where I was working on an ambulance. Okay. And then this opportunity came up for you. How did that come about? It came about from feeling God's call that he had readied me for a new season, a season to enter into full-time ministry, into full-time youth ministry. And so he reignited that passion, and I I began to be affirmed as I reached out and received back multiple interests from the Pacific Northwest area. And while the EPC was new for me, some of the words in there I trusted, I knew, (laughs) and I was very curious about Presbyterian and what that would mean and how, how that would be an approach for students in general. But the Lord opened a door here at Chapel Hill. It was a long process, as everyone has acknowledged, but I was thankful for a long process, for a, a involved, for a truly caring process. I can't, I can't speak enough about, even though it was painful to be so long, I was so thankful that everyone here got to know me and really wanted to discern if I was the right choice. Now, as far as how long it took What specifically are you referring to? Thank you. Yeah, I was referring to the application process, the interviewing process, the discernment, 
process, the back and forth meetings, the, the emailing, the letter writing, the involvement with students. I was flown up twice to be involved and to be engaged with, to be cared for, to be prayed for. It was wonderful. It's something I have never experienced in any job, especially in Christian ministry. I've never experienced this um, in, as an involved process as what Chapel Hill did. And it spoke to how important they viewed this role and how vital it is to this community of students, to families, to this church. Because as you said, Chapel Hill cares about children. They really do. They care about students. And you take that aspect and you combine it with the last couple of years of a pandemic and things tend to get drawn out maybe a little bit longer than they would otherwise. But we are glad you're here. And in fact, I did touch base with a couple people and a co-worker of yours said he is the most relational person I know and can connect with students effortlessly. And the student said he is constantly reaching out to check on us and asking if there's any way he can serve us, which is very admirable. You agree with those? Uh, Glory to the Lord. Yes, it's how he's made me. It's all the Lord. Yes. Well, as I was thinking about talking with you, there was a phrase that came to mind for me, and it was that the abilities and experiences you have acquired have been mixed with God provided opportunities. And you may be the right person in the right place right now. Um, Do you feel like you are? Yes, I do. Resounding yes. Now, earlier you mentioned some difficulties uh, with bullying. And as I just read a quote from a student that he's constantly reaching out to check on us, do you feel that's an aspect of it? What have you learned from that? What would you like to pull from those experiences that you feel like you can understand and relate to the kids that you're working with now? Absolutely. Being able to relate to someone who's going through a, an event or an episode or situations that are traumatic, that are scarring, I, I feel that if you can truly put yourself in their shoes and you can say that powerful sentence of, I know what you're going through. I I can relate to what you're going through because of this, because of I was treated poorly, because I was treated as less than. It really provides a way to be able to minister to students because there's a saying out there, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care in referring to Gen Z and referring to young people in general. And while that is a pretty generic statement, I would have to agree that young people today have an excellent radar for genuineness. They have an excellent understanding and they can sniff out from a million miles away if you're not there to truly care for them, if you are going to be here and how long are you going to be here? And I'm appreciative. I'm in awe of it. And I can relate being that I had a youth pastor that I thought the world of and he transitioned and that was really hard. 
and I wanted to follow him. <laughs> I wanted to move to where he was. And today, he's still one of my greatest mentors. Say that phrase again. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I'm not sure if I've heard that before. But it seems like it is speaking to they're looking for a validity. They're looking for authenticity. And that may be something that we don't normally assign to the youth of today. Right. That given the social media, given the experiences that the things that they experience that maybe we don't give them credit for right. the intelligence and, and what they are looking for and what they are asking for. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Their discernment ability is incredible. That's a good way of putting it. They don't even really know. They wouldn't say that, that it's discernment or that it's wisdom. They're, they're not the first ones to say, I'm so wise. They generally throw themselves under the bus or self-deprecate or they just, they know when they know they have an excellent radar for who actually cares about them. They, they can sense it. I want to take a little bit of a turn in direction because over the last year and a half that I have gotten to know you a little bit, every now and then something fascinating comes up, uh, something that I didn't expect. You're just full of surprises sometimes. Uh, and one of the things that we have been able to connect over is Hallmark movies, of all things. <laughs> what else in your life right now provides joy? And we'll get to Hallmark <laughs> in a moment, but what provides joy for you right now? My joy for my fill up and joy in this season of life, Dave, right now is simply my beautiful family. I have two amazing daughters, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, Takoa and Galilee, and a wonderful, supportive, amazing, intelligent wife, Valerie. And I'm so filled up with joy with being a father, with being a husband, with having a beautiful home, with having sunshine on some days, but just being able to um, experience raising children. It's such an honor. It's such a blessing. It fills my heart with joy that I get to be a dad to two precious girls that God would entrust me with the stewardship of these two amazing, precious girls. You know, there's the entire possibility that God entrusted Valerie and that you just happen to be along for the ride. <laughs> That's a great assessment. Absolutely, Dave. <laughs> I, I, I concur. Think, uh, your family provides joy. But you are a naturally joyful person. Now, I could ask you for the easy answer. Why is that? Um, but I, I do want to go a little bit deeper. When do you feel like it's easiest for you to tap into joy, to be joyful, to be who you were meant to be? Honestly, to answer that question, I would absolutely point to the Father and how he's knitted me and made me together, what he's positioned me to do, what he's called in me, the people he's surrounded me by, being raised in a joyful, happy, positive, supportive family. And now to be married and be wanting to cultivate that, it sets me up and it gives me the ability to just be who I naturally am. And I, through recent um, work 
uh, test exams, uh, learning the DISC survey about what my, my style of, you'd have to look that up, but what my style is uh, as a person, uh, it's my personality, my work approach. I'm a galvanizer. I can encourage and inspire and speak so much truth and positivity into people naturally, just easily. That actually fills my cup to pour out that to people. And quite often I'm, I'm asked by the people I'm pouring into is, are you just, are you just saying that? Like, are you just, you know, blowing smoke? And no, I'm speaking the truth. God's given me an ability in my life to be able to naturally pour out with nothing but innocence and truth from the heart. This is how God's made me as an extroverted feeler, as an empath. He's made me and designed me for this. And I love it that being relational and being able to connect with students and being able to just be who I naturally am and then to hear that that's filling a lot of students' lives with joy or that they feel supported by the way I am. I would say I have the greatest job in the entire world that God's called me to because the, the core of it, I get to just be who God's made me to be. And I love it. It's so great. I, I would hope and pray that others would be so blessed and lucky to have a vocation or have a, a position in their life where they're able to just be naturally who they are. This is so beautiful. It's, I would do this for free forever. I would love to do it for free forever now, if the Lord would have me. We should have a disclaimer for the session at Chapel Hill <laughs> that, that they don't hear that and say, <laughs> disclaimer. you know, we're paying him a little too much. <laughs> He'd do it for free. So I, yeah, that's right. Let's just pull back. Let's that. revisit this right. just a little bit. Yeah. I, I find it interesting that everything that you refer to regarding yourself, not only does it support the statements that I read earlier from coworker and from a, a student, but it also is supporting your authenticity with the students. And when they see on a consistent basis that you're the same, you're the same with everyone, and that it is something to rely on, that's probably what's giving you yeah. um, the confirmation of your position right. that, that we all look for in yeah. whatever we're doing. So glory to God for that. Yeah, amen. Right? Yeah, glory to him. Um, you are also uh, somewhat slightly addicted to those Hallmark movies. So let's let's touch upon that a little bit. Now, what is it about the Hallmark movies that feeds you? Well, that's a trick question because it's not Christmas. So <laughs> my joy is lacking because we need the, the Hallmark Christmas movie series, right? It begins right after, oh, whatever that, at that evening of candy trick-or-treating is Halloween, yes, whatever. Uh, it's <laughs> the countdown to Christmas for us joyful guys and, and bunch who really enjoy a feel-good movie that even our wives enjoy and laugh about as well. Oh, it's fun. Um, it is. And we actually, I know my wife and I have built a little bit of a tradition over Christmas Hallmark movies. Yes. And it's, it is a lot of fun. But we're joking about Hallmark movies, but there's something 
real about them. You, we talk about authenticity and validity with the kids. Okay, let's talk about the movies a little bit. What is it that appeals to you about these movies? If you're listening and you're like, why are these guys talking about Hallmark? Maybe you need to check it out yourself. That's because right. Well, why not, darn why it? Why not? Come on. They're, su- they're such feel-good movies. You know it's coming. It's, it's so, I don't know, it's just a, a, an oddity, a very easy... Um, a very easy thing to just enjoy and sit down and let your brain be loved on. Let your brain be molded with positivity for a little while. I love the messaging. You and I have t- completely unpacked this. <laughs> we love the messaging. We know what's coming. We understand. We get what Hallmark is trying to do. In fact, my wife uh, attempted to apply to an online position through the Hallmark channel, through Crown Media. She tried to get me hired as the vice president of communications for Hallmark Christmas movie like network. <laughs> and the <laughs> the job posting said that you had had to have over 10 years of managing a network experience. And, and I, I literally started filling out the application laughing, going, I don't need that. I've been watching your movies for years now. I, I exceed those expectations and I get the heart behind them. And so that's why you and I are able to joke and replicate the the story structure of what these charming Hallmark movies are trying to do and what they are all about. We get the structure, we can laugh at it. And it's just, it's enjoying. It's really fun. It is fun. And I know there's at least a couple of occasions where we we have actually developed a plot for viable movies if they ever want to reach out to us. Yes, absolutely. Now, we've looked at you as far as your upbringing, became a Christian at a relatively early age. You understood it. You felt the calling. And you have followed a path that has not strayed from the evangelistic attitude that you have um, your whole life to this point. But there has to be, at times, doubts, maybe, or low points. Can you talk about that at all? Yeah, absolutely. And that's just the reality of life, is it? it's, it's going to be troubling. It's going to be hard. The Lord told us that we'd have hard times on earth, but he's here for us, and he's always been there for me. So through my low points, through some severe challenges, through job loss, uh, through you know heartbreak from a job loss, through certain challenging seasons of wanting to, a desire to have a certain job or a desire to have a certain life and not getting it just yet. Patience, I've learned patience is so hard to walk out patience is this long game and when you attach that to you you build up a uh, this whole like life in your head as we all do if i can just get this if i can just have that job if i can just drive that car if i can just wear those clothes it's this non-stop like dream that i actually believe is somewhat unhealthy. It's good to dream healthy dreams, mm-hmm. but I feel like if those dreams are limiting you and they're too unreachable and you're not going to be content with what you currently have, that can be damaging. I experienced that when I became married. I was so excited to be married, but I went too fast to say, 
I just want children now. I want to be a father. I was so ready right away because I was so in love with my wife. I wanted to make, I wanted to make little humans. I wanted to be a father. <laughs> and my wife was the number one person in my, in my life reminding me to be content with what God has presented to you in front of you right now, to enjoy the moment. And I, I, I heard that. I can't give myself full credit, Dave, and say, oh, yeah, and I totally did that, and so it was fine. <laughs> no, I still pushed. I still wanted mm. to be a father. I was still focused. I still had somewhat of the blinders, or I had so much dream and of all the love I was going to give and, and do. But on the other side of that, Dave, if I can share, now that I do have children, I find myself reminiscing the times when I should have been more content with challenges, with low points, because God was so present in my life. You say reminisce. Most people would say regret. Yeah, that's interesting because I don't, I don't regret because my current situation is I do have children. I, I am very blessed to have a wonderful job and a home and healthy family. And I, I could have been more in that moment. Okay. I could have acknowledged how about I could have realized that God was there the whole time, even in my low. Cause that one of my greatest lows in my life through job loss, I went on a journey with God. I sought him more than I ever had in my entire life. And it was all from something as a low point. I'm reminiscing saying, man, what a wonderful season that I actually went into. I, I went from something super busy that was maybe draining or wasn't right or God wanted to close the door and he was able to work all things together for good and, and get me into a place of alone time and refreshing and growth and healing. I've received so much healing from actually the aftermath of low points hmm. because I sat after God and he drew closer to me in that time. As a middle school and high school director at Chapel Hill, what is the biggest thing confronting teens and students right now? That's such a great question as well. Sadly, there are so many things. My mind is just racing with all of the steal, kill, and destroy attack schemes and lies of the enemy. I feel that the enemy is twisting and lying to this generation so severely. He's just turning up the, f the fire and he's after their life and he's lost. He doesn't have this generation. God has this generation. God has every generation. Jesus has won the victory and Every battle that young people face today, God's already won because he's already paid for it. It's, it's, a, it's a battle that God's already won. And I just want to see more young people, whatever they're facing, whatever their circumstance or what is happening in their life, I want more young people to know that there's so much hope. There's so much love that God has for you. 
that no matter what challenges or battles they're facing, whether it's depression, whether it's suicide, comparison, brokenness, hurt, uh, their identity being attacked, the people who speak into their life, the people who don't speak into their life, uh, just their, their disability, their just who they are as a person that's maybe not this perfect representation model that social media and the rest of, you know, Hollywood and famous influencer life portrays just because they're not of that amount of likes or that amount of followers. I I would just hope that out of all of that, they would know that they have the greatest follower, the greatest love of all after them, which is Jesus. He went to the cross for all of them. I truly believe that everybody, Dave, I know it's a big statement, but I truly believe that everybody on earth would choose God if they just knew how much he truly loved them. And I know that's a hard evangelistic statement, um, (laughs) but I do truly feel that no one would deny that hell would be empty, that every knee would bow if they just could experience the love. I mean, I'm thinking about friends in my life and, and then students for student ministry who have maybe not grabbed hold of God's love or they've heard it and eh, that's not for me or maybe a, a seed was sown I pray but I've I know in my heart I know in my spirit that if they could just experience the trueness of God's love that they wouldn't deny it that we'd be on our way to the return of Christ that every knee would be bowing that's how I feel who do you think needs to hear that message more, students or their family members? Absolutely both, but students first. But students are attached to their family, so the whole family as a whole. I love how you, how you even phrase that question. But sometimes students are on their own. Sometimes they're living at a mixed home or they're coming from living with a different family member who's not able to fully care for them or maybe they're adopted or they feel marginalized or outcasted or treated as less than and that can be such a isolating struggle that you just feel alone in and I feel like our job as Christians our commissioning by the Lord is to shine the light is to inflict hope and to inflict love forgiveness reconciliation as much as we can because it's the truth. It's what Jesus went to the cross for. It's what he commissioned us and gave us the Holy Spirit for. So I find myself rehearsing the New Testament of the Bible, rehearsing the later part of the Gospels where Jesus commissioned us and gave us the Holy Spirit. We're on mission to combat these battles. We're on mission to inflict hope, to be gospel carriers to students and their families, whether you're a youth pastor or not, whether you're a a parent, then you are a youth pastor if you're a parent. Mm -hmm. But if you're a a teacher, a police officer, or anyone who comes in contact with the younger generation, I feel that you have a responsibility to shine hope, to shine light into their life. As you look back at this point in time, 
what is the one truth that you keep coming back to as you move through life? That's a wonderful question. I feel that the truth I keep coming back to is that he loved me first before I loved him, that he will always love me first, that on days of my life that are challenging or days of my life that are incredible and celebratory, God is so present in my life. He's, he's so near and he has always loved me and he will always provide for me. There's such assurance in my faith in Jesus Christ that really helps me and molds me to continue to persevere, to keep sharing the gospel, to keep loving, to keep going through life with that joy, to keep accessing the abundance of joy that God has. I'm going to give you a little bit of a heads up. I don't know if this is cheating or not, but in a moment, I'm going to ask you your favorite Bible verse. You may have it right at the top of your head. You may have to think about it a little bit. But before I get to that point, he has a real gift when it comes to interpersonal relationships. My favorite thing about working with Kingsley is how encouraging and affirming he is. Kingsley is an old soul millennial who is simplistically complex. Now make of those what you will. But it seems that you have made a connection, both with people you work with and people you work for. What would you say is a final message to students? Now, you've said many things. Let's, let's boil it down to one sentence. What would you say is a final message to the students out there? To our students specifically, sorry, I got to be specific, but to, to students here at Chapel Hill, to the Gig Harbor, to, to all students in general. Let's go with your students. Okay. Because I know, I know I've gotten to know our students and our students have gotten to know my, myself. They've tested me. They've tried me. They've asked me questions. <laughs> I've laughed with them. We've cried together. I've seen some graduate and and some transition in their faith journey, and some continue to work on their faith journey. I would say keep your eyes focused on Jesus. That's from Hebrews. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. If we could just abide in him and truly keep him the center, whether you're still asking God big questions or you've figured it out and you are totally sold out for Jesus and you are living a life, seeing, bearing fruit, seeing God just be so present in your life, just keep Jesus the center of it. Just keep your eyes fixed on him. I'm thinking of Peter stepping out of the boat. If he would have continued walking on that water, if he would have just kept his eyes on Jesus. Mm -hmm. I, I knew that when I asked for one sentence, it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> you did ask for a sentence. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. There you go, you, Dave. You did do that to begin with, so okay. that's that's fine. But you, you <laughs> couldn't help out. yourself to expand just a little bit beyond sorry. that. Sorry. Edit the rest out. <laughs> um, the one word that I keep coming back to is authentic. I've been sitting down with Kingsley Powell, and if there's anything I can say about you, it's authentic. And Thank I you. sincerely appreciate 
the time that you have given us today. Um, for me, this is always a blessing for me when I get to sit down with someone. So I thank you very much for that. What is the verse that you have been able to come up with? I've already referenced it, but my favorite Bible verse that's been so impactful for me and foundational is 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you so much, Dave. It's been an honor. Good Lord willing, Kingsley will be doing his work at Chapel Hill for years to come. He really is easy to talk to, and he's doing what he loves. And his favorite Hallmark Christmas movie is Christmas Under Wraps. Yes, I've seen it. It is good. This episode of Hill Stories was written, produced, and edited by Dave Wilson. Marketing by Judson Taylor and Jenna Arnold of the Chapel Hill Marketing and Digital Media Departments. Closing music by Dave Thomas. Check out more of his sound at davethomas3.bandcamp.com. This has been Hill Stories, originating at Chapel Hill Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. The opinions expressed are those of the participants for the edification of our listeners and do not necessarily reflect those of Chapel Hill leadership or the Evangelical Presbyterian Church of the United States. If you would like more information or to submit an idea for a future episode, our email address is hillstories at chapelhillpc.org. For everyone here at Hill Stories, thank you and God bless.